0: values and strong opinions the Mike Broomhead show KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app Hey welcome to the final hour of the show we appreciate you spending some time with us and uh, US consumer confidence declined in February reflecting fears of a recession just go through some of the headlines some good news Phoenix gas prices drop but they're still higher than the US average um, there's long robust US labor market shows sign of cooling I'm going to get back to that in just a moment because I think that's a key here is a major key to what's going to happen with our U.S. economy, maybe not so much here in Arizona, but around the country. Car debt is piling up. More Americans owe thousands more than their vehicles are worth. That's scary for the motor vehicle industry. 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Inflation is a part of everybody's everyday life. You couple that with pandemic, food assistance is going to end. And uh, what will happen next? Senate Group is continuing to talk about Social Security. So let's go back to the job market. The saving grace with the high inflation in America has been the ability for people to find work to keep their heads above water. Um, That's always been an issue. It happens with personal finances in a household, an individual, or with a corporation. When you get into money trouble, as a business, you get into money trouble, and you assess, is it that we are spending too much, or is it that we're making too little? There are some business decisions where companies will make the decision that we are going to grow our way out of debt. We're going to uh, expand what we do, and we're going to bring in new revenue streams and overcome our debt. Other times, layoff are required or a reduction in size, getting lean and mean as a means to get out of debt as well and pay your debts off faster. Personally, in personal finance, we all have had to deal with this. Are we spending too much or are we making too little? Is it a combination of the two? Does one of us, if you're in a household, does one of us need to go out and get a second job or do both of us have to go out and get a second job to get us through this rocky period? And that that ability exists, there is still a strong labor market here in the state of Arizona. The labor market dictates or allows that you can go out and do that. I know a lot of people that have a side hustle. I know a lot of people that are ride share drivers now, delivery drivers that are taking these gigs that are a little bit flexible with their time, but they are able to make some extra money. Um, I have a friend who took a job recently. Working at a restaurant and a few nights a week, making you know tips 150, 200 bucks a night. And uh, it is that is what is necessary to keep uh, their heads above water. And so that ability is still there. If the job market softens and your ability to find that extra work goes away, that's when inflation and a slowing down of the economy sprints toward a recession. Because it is the people that are in those economically precarious positions that are first to fall through the cracks. When you see people, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm certainly not giving you revelations here. where This has never dawned on you. But if we are now seeing a slowing down in the job market, are we going to begin to see less and less ability for people to change careers or to expand in their career or to get a second job? That's a scary proposition. I think Arizona is a bit insulated. I think our economy is going to remain strong, but prices remain very, very high. Consumer confidence drops off. So here is uh, just put some of this together. You have a family that's got a car that they have a loan on, but the car is getting older and they want to trade it in. They're upside down in the car, which means when you go out and you buy something else, you're going to have to tack on the end of the current loan onto the new loan, which means that payment is going to be higher. Do we really want to get on the hook for a higher payment? Can we afford? to right now? Is our job situation in such a place where we can afford to do that and are we sure that we're going to have this job long enough to pay off this debt? Those are real decisions that families have to make. When you're a family that's living paycheck to paycheck, it's a scary place to be. I've talked about my situation in life where I've been in the past and I'm I'm not ashamed of it. I'm actually kind of proud that I've been in that situation and what I mean by that is that I survived it um, in literally living paycheck to paycheck. Back in the days when you got a paycheck, it wasn't direct deposit that you know, making the decision that I'm going to put five bucks in gas in my vehicle on Thursday night so I've got the gas to get to the job site Friday morning to get my paycheck to start all over again. And you're a flat tire away from being broke. I don't have money for a tire. I certainly don't have money for a tow truck. What am I going to do if I can't get to work? My bosses aren't going to understand, and I'm going to be looking for a job. Um, and I'm going to be homeless. And when families are living paycheck to paycheck, the worst part about paycheck to paycheck is when you're doing the right thing, and yet you can't get ahead. Where in the past, prices were low enough where you could. When you go to the grocery store, and there are many families that budget for every week. We have 120 bucks we can spend this week at the grocery store. We have $90 to spend at the grocery store to feed everybody. And you go and you start filling your cart and you start looking and you start adding up as you go. And my mom was one of them. My mom was one of those people, man. She she had a rolling calculation in her head as she was buying things because she had a finite amount of money she could spend to, to, to feed three kids. And when you start seeing that that 90 bucks now does not go nearly as far as it did in the past, you know um, – what do you do? What do you do? And people are dealing with that right now, the concern that this slowdown, that Americans are still spending, but we are, we are going to be screeching to a halt. And that happens for people. Um, it happened to me when I was young with money. What I mean by that is when I've got my first credit card, I ran it all the way up. I mean all the way up. And then I realized I can only afford to make the minimum payment. And now I'm going to do the calculation that by doing this minimum payment at the time I think I had a 1000 or a 1200 dollars limit on the card. I remember thinking, I'm going to make the minimum $30 a month payment and it's going to take me a few years to pay this off and by the time I'm done, I'm going to be paying the credit card company $6000. And you do that with multiple credit cards and find out you're underwater financially. It's a scary place for people to be. And it's unfortunate, you know, my business, I've been very, you know, I guess candid more than I should, that I made a lot of mistakes. So I felt a lot of it was self imposed, a lot of my problems I created for myself. It's horrible when you feel like I'm doing everything the right way. That's the demoralizing thing about poverty or about being in a financially bad place. It's frustrating to sit around and talk about finances with your partner, with your you know significant other, or just sit down by yourself and realize, you know, I do everything I'm supposed to do. I show up on time. I work hard. I manage my money well. I don't squander money. I'm doing everything I can, and I I can't get ahead, and it's demoralizing, and when you give up hope, when you lose that hope, that's when things things start falling through the cracks, and that's when it gets really bad. And when you see what America is doing right now, the American people are industrious. There are some around us that just don't feel like they have to work or they don't want to, but there's always those people in society. I would say, at an intent, and when there is a sense of entitlement in the world, and there is many times, the more we live in a world where there is a, a, a huge sense of entitlement, the easy it is for you to succeed. I saw it that way. I worked for a company where I was the new guy. It wasn't a big company, but it was an electrical contracting company. There were seven or eight of us that worked there, and I was the only one that would say yes to working late or working weekends, and everybody else was complaining. I'm not doing that. You got to let us know by Wednesday if you want us to work on Saturday. We all have plans, and I just said yes all the time. Yeah, I'll work. I'll do it. And two years later, I was made the manager of the company because I just showed up and said yes when the boss asked me to do something. It's not very spectacular, is it? It's not, it's not as if I am some specimen of success because I have this unique talent. I just worked. If you're someone that's willing to do that, you're going to excel. That is the, that is the uh, bright side or the, or the silver lining on this. Coming up in a moment, we're going to get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. It's a segment we call Did You Hear This? So hang around for it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Catching you up on the big news stories of the morning. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Governor
1: Hobbs condemned allegations that she and other officials took bribes from Mexican cartel members. It is irresponsible for this to be allowed. It is dangerous. It makes the legislature, quite honestly, a laughingstock in Arizona by extension. And um, I hope folks are held accountable for this. Does there need to be accountability
0: for these allegations? I think there will be. I think there are going. There's going to be a lot of accountability. The Republicans, to their credit, Republicans in leadership, both the Senate President and the minor or Majority Leader in the in the Senate and the House Speaker, have all come out and said that they've they were. Surprised by this. They don't think it was the right thing. As a matter of fact, the Speaker of the House said it devolved into uh, theater. And um, I I don't think there's any place for it in the public discourse. I think it detracts or distracts from the serious issues. But more than anything else, I think it's a big, big problem because you're hearing accusations against a sitting governor and a secretary of state and other elected officials with absolutely no evidence. So I think it goes further than in-house accountability. I think there's going to end up being lawsuits because of this.
1: President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan is at the Supreme Court, and Chief Justice John Roberts is hinting that the decision might not be one for the courts to make.
0: If you're going to give up that much amount of money, if you're going to affect the obligations of that many Americans on a subject that's of great controversy, they would think that's something for Congress to act on.
1: Are there any positives of eliminating student loan debt?
0: There's positives. I mean, there's a lot of people right now that are struggling financially that created, you know, that that accumulate, I shouldn't say created, accumulated all. All of this debt, and I feel for them. You know, my family members, my brother carried student loan debt for a long time. Cops don't make a whole lot of money, so I know that it's a burden to a lot of people. So I think there are po- there are positives to this. I just don't know that, first of all, if the president has the authority, and if it's the right thing to do, if we're going to forgive debt for people here, where else does the government forgive debt? That's the question. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do this every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. In a sworn deposition, Fox News boss
1: Rupert Murdoch spoke candidly about how the network handled information regarding the 2020 election.
0: I would have liked us to be stronger in denouncing it in hindsight, Murdoch said in a sworn deposition. And he said any executive who allowed lies about the election to be broadcast should be reprimanded or maybe got
1: rid of. Could this mean a major shakeup coming for the Fox
0: News? Yeah, I think that this is going to be for the entire journalism industry, but especially at Fox News, they have a very, very, very loyal following. And there are many people that trust them in And I think a lot of those people now feel like that trust has been broken, that there are a lot of people in the Republican Party, myself being one of them, that did not subscribe to the idea of a stolen election. We've been marginalized. We've been demonized. And people have gone very angry at us because people are our own party. And I've been very honest about this. Sean Hannity has been very helpful to me in my radio career. I've known Sean. I was a guest on his show multiple times as a caller when I was younger, before I was in radio. So I have, you know, I have uh, mixed feelings on this. But if you're going on television and you're citing what you know not to be true, and then off the air you're denouncing that you don't believe this anyway, there is a credibility issue there. And I think overall it needs to be fixed. You are listening to Did You Hear This. We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines.
1: Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb spoke at a border committee hearing yesterday about the impact of the border crisis that it's having on his county. It's a drain on my resources. My canines are dedicated uh, solely to interdiction. I have an anti-smuggling unit, my helicopter. We had 10 events yesterday alone. One of them was a 911 call. Does having a border sheriff, or not not a border sheriff, but having a sheriff at a committee hearing not being in a border county make an effect on these hearings.
0: Yeah, it does because he isn't a he isn't technically a border sheriff on the Mexican border, but he deals with these issues because he borders tribal land. And we know that one of the big places of crossing is that tribal land. It is a sovereign nation. We don't have our laws and we don't have our equipment on the border, and we are negotiating constantly with the tribes on how to deal with with these situations. But the statistics that the sheriff brought to the table about human trafficking, mostly sex trafficking of young girls and the enormous amount of drug Into his county, I think, are hard to ignore. And I think that was one of the good things of this whole process. Thanks for, uh, for that, Julia. As always, it was a great job. I, I love this segment of the show. We catch up on the headlines. We're going to expand a little bit on these accusations. If you don't know what we are talking about, because it hasn't a story that is now just growing legs, that there was a hearing. Uh, it was a joint hearing on immigration that was going on at the state legislature. And a freshman representative from the House of Representatives brought in testimony and a witness that dropped some major accusational bombs about bribes from the drug cartels involving our current governor, our current secretary of state, unnamed members of the county board of supervisors, the mayor who is a Republican, the mayor of Mesa and accusations that are unfounded. At least as of right now, there's not an ounce of proof. And I think there's going to be major fallout. But I also think it's something we have to talk about, because there are times when you have to drop. The partisan, um, not politics, but the partisan issue and just deal with things as a voter in the state of Arizona. Is this what the voters in Arizona envisioned? Is this what we envision our legislature looking like and operating like? Is this where we look at this and say, this is how this is supposed to operate? And I I don't know that anyone believes that. So uh, coming up in a moment, I'm going to let you hear a little bit more about this and uh, hear what the governor had to say about it next. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, this conversation is is a weird one. I, I have to admit, it's a strange conversation. Politics is a weird business anyway, and what's going on, and I want to go with a little bit of history and then a little bit of what happened earlier this month. Uh, in the state legislature, um, there is a freshman legislator in the House of Representatives named Liz Harris. Liz Harris uh, made a name for herself within the party, within party politics, because she com- after she won the election, she said, I am not voting for anything until we fix, I can't remember if it was the the 2022 or the 2020 election, she wanted to redo and she wasn't going to vote for anything. Now, that's a big deal for one reason, because um, there's only a one seat majority for the Republicans in the House of Representatives. Same with the Senate. But there's only a one seat majority, meaning that nothing gets done if she's not willing to participate. But she was so uh, passionate about this issue and she's been an activist. And I'll tell you, this is the issue for me is that there are certain places where you cannot be an activist. I admire activism, even if I disagree with you. And I've got a list of people I'm friends with that I don't agree with them. And their activism I admire, even though I disagree Um, Even though I don't agree with her on the election integrity issue, I admire activism. But when you're shutting down a legislative, you know, the legislative branch of the uh, of the Arizona state legislature because of one issue, I think that is a problem. But what's happened recently has gone even further. And I don't know if this is, and I, I'm giving, trying to give her the benefit of the doubt in that it, is this someone that didn't understand the weight of what she was doing. So here's what happened. Uh, days after a legislative committee allowed the airing of unverified allegations about a scandal involving elected officials, judges, and a drug cartel, Republican leaders at the legislature appointed fi- are pointing fingers at one of their own freshman lawmaker Liz Harris from Chandler, took the brunt of the blame Monday on social media so Ben Toma, who is the Speaker of the House and a Republican, said what should have been a joint hearing on a- to examine common sense election reforms devolved into disgraceful fringe theater. Um, I'm not alone in believing that it was an irresponsible and bad judge. It was irresponsible and bad judgment for Ms. Harris to invite a person to present unsubstantiated and defamatory allegations in a legislative forum. There are big legal implications here. You are a representative in the Arizona State Legislature. What you say matters more than what I say. And if I said this... If I brought somebody on the air here that laid out these allegations, if I brought this, this person on that testified at this committee, if I brought that person on the air on this show and they laid out all these accusations against our governor, the secretary of state, members of the county board of supervisors, judges, um, the mayor of Mesa, there would be the, a very distinct possibility of a lawsuit against me and against this radio station. And we're entertainment if you, if you think I'm entertaining, but that's what we are. I'm not a journalist. I've said this for years. I am someone that I give my opinion. But if you level accusations of taking bribes from the drug cartels, there are serious implications that go along with that. Unsubstantiated, and she wouldn't substantiate them either. Sonny Borelli, Senator Sonny Borelli, who is the majority leader in the the Arizona State Senate, said – this was said about him. This is from – the uh the senate president warren peterson said i assure you had borelli known that the re- known about the report he would not have allowed it to be included this was definitely not the proper venue to make such allegations nor to assess the credibility of such statements my senators have not engaged in such questionable behavior nor do i believe they will in the future uh Borelli told the Arizona Republic he repeatedly asked um, for uh, uh, all the reports that were associated with these accusations and said that Representative Harris was not forthcoming. Um, she was allowed to put on this event anyway because of professional courtesy. So you've got um, the Senate president saying the senators haven't done this and won't do this. And this was a member of the House of Representatives that did it. And I just think that what's dangerous about this, again, is you're a legislator. You have you have by virtue of an election been named to the Arizona state legislature. You represent your party, which I'm a member. I'm a voter. I'm a Republican voter. But bigger than that, you represent the state of Arizona. What you say in that capacity matters. If you're a this is where I differ with some people. If you're a legislator, but you're at some political function, if you're at a meeting and you're asked to be a speaker and you go off the handle and you say stuff like this, I may not agree with it, I might call it stupid, but it is what it is. When you are in the capacity of an Arizona state representative and you bring testimony into an official committee hearing, a joint hearing, you've now done something in an official capacity and you better be able to back it up. And she's been radio silent as far as I can tell on this ever since it happened. I don't know what the long term implications are. Let's just say it's nothing legal. Let's say nothing legal happens. Let's say the governor doesn't sue the secretary of state, the mayor of Mesa, other named people. Let's say they don't they don't go after some legality here and say, wait a minute, you've defamed me in an official capacity. And now someone's going to pay. The conversation was about. Common sense election reform. And that's out the window. That's gone right now. And what I mean by that is you can't have it. You can't have the discussion. When I come on and I question the way that the audit was done or I question the election integrity issue and the way that things have been handled and I point out that both sides of the political aisle have complained about the veracity of our elections, um, I get hammered by people. Because everybody wants to bash the Republicans because of January 6th and because of false um, electors and you've gone too far and all this other stuff. So there is no civil conversation anymore about are our elections working as well as they can be and what can we do to make sure they are? There's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with a conversation, a review conversation that says, are there weaknesses in our election system? And if there are. How do we get rid of the weaknesses and make it stronger? It's a great question. And here we have um, a time where you can't ask the question anymore. And this doesn't help. What this does is add fuel to the fire of the people that just say these election deniers are crazy. And the Republicans have to take a look at this. I'm saying the Republican Party. I would definitely say the Republican caucus in the House of Representatives for sure. But as a party, we have to look at this. Now, I'm not a member of the party. I'm not a precinct committeeman. I'm not a state committeeman. I'm not a member at large. I'm just a voter. I'm a Republican voter. But leadership within the Republican Party has to start taking a look at things like this because when people do these things, it reflects on all of us. This isn't something that, that that Liz Harris, the woman, the person did as an independent activist that believes this is true and she has a right to her opinion and she can shout it from the rooftops. I would actually applaud that even though I disagree with her. She made an accusation, even as a private citizen, to make these accusations or allow somebody to make these accusations I think is irresponsible. But when you do these things and you're representing me and the party I voted for, when I have to come on the air every single day and defend my party, you're not making it easier. And if you want election integrity taken seriously, what you did in this hearing blew that out of the water. I guarantee you, no one is taking anything you say about election integrity seriously. Where they get these accusations from, how they were ever allowed into this hearing, what's going to be done in the fallout. Are they going to force her to either, and I I don't know if this force can happen within the confines of her job. I don't know if there's the power to do this. Are they going to force Liz Harris To either produce evidence or apologize. Can that happen? Is there a mechanism of punishment that if you don't do one of those two things, you'll be suspended, you'll be pulled off committees, you won't have any power to do anything, you'll be thrown out? I don't know what the answers are. But this is irresponsible. And I don't care which party you're from. This is one of those things, man, we got to lay down our party representation for a moment and say we're Arizona voters. And as an Arizona voter, as someone that takes our system seriously, we've got to stand up and say this is something we can't do. Coming up in just a moment, um, before we close it out, a little bit more on the topic of education. We'll do that before we close it all out. values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, let's see if we can't combine some of these topics and see why they all are related to each other and what we've talked about today. Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, lost her bid for re-election, the first mayor in Chicago to lose that re-election bid in 40 years, and many people are pointing to the high crime rate and the misuse of that office is the reason why. Um, The Defund the Police movement took hold in major cities, New York, Chicago, Chicago, Minneapolis, Portland, Seattle, um, uh, San Francisco, L.A., other places, and every one of those cities has paid for it, and most of those cities have tried to go back into the other direction. So that along with one of the other stories that we had today, which is that uh, the city of New Orleans, the murder capital of the United States, is warning people – I want you to listen to this warning. Don't sit around in your car. Let did you think about that. The Phoenix Police Department, Glendale, Scottsdale, Chandler, Mesa, Queen Creek, wherever you live. If the police put out a warning and said, hey, don't linger in your automobile. We've had a 165 percent increase in carjackings. It's gotten to be such an epidemic that you shouldn't sit in your car any amount of time at the same time that most of those cities that I just rattled off. I would say the majority, if not every single one. And if I had to bet, I would say every single one have very restrictive gun laws for private citizens. Think about that for a moment. So there's an issue there with crime and punishment. We've been talking about the border. Uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb has talked about the lack of border security. What do all of these things have in common? What they have in common is that the government has shifted focus from putting the blame on bad people and stopping bad people from doing bad things to a shift to a more diversity – Inclined message or inclusive message at the border, it is everybody's a migrant. No, not everybody's a migrant. Some of them are legal migrants and some of them are illegal immigrants. That's what it is. And you have to differentiate between the two. And when it comes to crimes in our communities, so many communities have said we are going we, we our prisons are too full. There is a disproportionate number of people of color that are spending time in jail. We're going to stop taking bail. We're going to release people on their own recognizance. We're going to reduce sentences. We're going to empty our jails. And when that's happened, it's not because of the color of people's skin. It's because they're criminals. Now let's go one step further. I've been talking about, and I will continue to um, because it makes me uh, crazy not to, um, education. Education in America. When we see the direction education has gone in America, we talked earlier about student loan forgiveness. But when we talk about educating our children in K through 12 and we've got this huge number of schools, Chicago. Let's go back to Chicago um, in the Chicago school district over 50. I think there were 55 schools who had no students proficient in reading and math in 55 schools what kind of a life are they destined for? When those young people that are 16, 17, 18 years old, they get their high school diploma, but they can't read at grade level. They're not a good reader. They can't perform math skills. Maybe they decide they're going to grow up someday and they're going to want to do something with their lives, but they're not equipped. We, we know that there is a significant connection between lack of education and life of crime, sometimes by necessity, sometimes because that's how you survive. And if we don't do something about this, we're in big trouble. We should be catering to the kids that want to learn. I I mean, I just I don't understand how we do the things or why we do the things we do. I don't want to see kids fall through the cracks. I coached, I started off co- coaching Pop Warner football because my little brother was playing it. I went on to continue to coach high school football because he was in high school football. But I love the game of football because of the life lessons it teaches young people and the team aspect and the working together and a cause bigger than it, you than you, and all this. I believe in all of that. And I believe that there's redemption possible for everyone. But if you're someone that wherever you, I don't care where you are in your life, if you refuse to take advantage of what's in front of you when you are distracting other people from doing it. It's so funny on a football team. If you aren't performing well, you're not going to start in the game. You're not going to play. You're going to sit on the bench if you even stay on the team. But if you start distracting other people from learning the game and practicing the game and being the best they can, they'll throw you off the team. And we look at the safety of our schools. We look at some of the things that are going on. And we have to start asking ourselves, at what point do we say to someone, sink or swim, but you're going to decide right now. Or get out of the pool because we're done. Um, And I I just think that when you look at all these topics together, we're headed in a direction we can can get off, you know, we can stop this direction that we're headed in, but we've got to make a concerted effort as adults, and we better do it quick. If you're a social media user, at Broomhead, KTAR is my Twitter handle. That's me personally. If you see something you like or don't like, it's come from me. At Broomhead Show, it updates you on things we're doing on the show. Please follow both. And Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram, is where you can follow me on that platform as well. We'll be back tomorrow morning morning just after 8 a.m. I hope you can join us for part of your day tomorrow. Thanks for spending some time here today. God bless.